Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Your top story is not Russia or Ukraine. It's not the economy. It isn't even the election. Your top story is that Tulsi Gabbard put out a video saying she has left the Democratic Party and she didn't do so in a way that leaves the door open to a future invitation. She burned the mother to the ground. Full scorched earth. Nothing left from the former Democratic presidential candidate, the one who ended Kamala Harris's run for president. Of course, the Democratic Party wanted nothing to do with Tulsi Gabbard. I don't know if the Republican Party does or doesn't. She's not a Republican. We should just be perfectly clear about that. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833-468. 8669. That is the number. 833-GOT-TONY. Feel free. Call in. Happy to talk to you. Here it is. In full, Tulsi Gabbard's announcement that she has left the Democratic Party. And when I tell you she burns it all to the ground, all of it gets burnt to the ground. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness, who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism, who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution, who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Now, I believe in a government that's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Unfortunately, today's Democratic Party does not. Instead, it stands for a government that is of, by, and for the powerful elite. Now, I'm calling on my fellow common sense, independent-minded Democrats to join me in leaving the Democratic Party. If you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country, I invite you to join me. Now. That is a burn-it-all-down statement, but I figured it would be best if we really tried to break it down. I mean, I I cannot tell you that this is going to move anybody in in the Democratic Party to be like, yeah, we're leaving, we're done, we're not going to be any part of this. I have no clue. I don't know... Whether or not people are going to be like, yeah, I don't want to be a part of this party either. And then, of course, there's a question of where do they go and all those things. But let's take a moment and break this down bit by bit. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness. That is how you start a conversation. An elitist cabal of warmongers. I told you. I told you she didn't leave. She, there was no room left. She was ending it all. She knew exactly what she was saying. 
You cannot start a, se- a conversation in the first 10 seconds like that and expect to ever walk back through the door. That's never going to happen. Who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism. Is there any doubt that this is happening from the political left? Is there any doubt at all that this is happening? Well, yes, of course, I've been saying it, but you, Tony, you're just a a right-wing bigot. Okay, I've got Tulsi Gabbard on my side, now what? Yeah, but she's, see, there's always something for these people, always a reason. What if it's actually the thing that's happening? Now, you can argue, I can argue, and we should argue together and effectively that not everybody who disagrees with us politically is an anti-white bigot. That's not it. That would be a irrational, illogical thought. That isn't what Tulsi Gabbard is saying here. Who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism. That's what the party does. That's not deniable. I've often discussed the fact uh, that what we see top line and and, and from the the, the news organizations, that's way different than what your neighbor is. I I mean, I, I know I have neighbors who disagree politically. I still give them a wave. That's the difference. The difference is what we're seeing in, in the news outlets, what we're seeing from the politicos. That level of, in, in, in culture, that level of bigotry is absolutely real. What we're seeing in the school systems, from the unions, absolutely real. And again, that is not to say that every single person who belongs to a union believes this. It is to say that union leadership, for example, the American Federation of Teachers, engages in this. It is clear That the Democratic Party, in terms of its leadership, in terms of the progressives, vis-a-vis the squad, engage in this every single day. Media, which is the same as the Democratic Party, engages in this every single day. Not a debate. Not just Tony saying it. Not just you saying it. It is obvious and clear It is without question that the political left exists inside of this make everything racial, everything is the problem, is the fault of racism. That's this whole intersectionality thing. This isn't some some smart view of the world. This is so you can add politics to everything, so you can add hate to everything, so you can declare everything to be Racism. Next. Who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution. Well, if Tulsi Gabbard is going to say that things are God-given, she definitely has no place in the Democratic Party. Rights are state-given in the Democratic Party, not God, God-given. God you are you are the silliest, Tulsi, the silliest right there who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding americans you're not crazy you're not crazy this is happening and i had asked the question of, of whether or not even media is going to discuss what she has said here but 
she's she's pulling blankets off and covers off of a lot of things. Here it is. Hey, sunlight, here you go. And people are going to cheer her. And I don't mind you cheering uh, these the statements of facts, but but don't get it twisted. I'll get more into it. She's not a Republican. She's not a conservative. I don't know where she is right now. I don't know what her plan is right now. But, but be clear uh, about these things. But she happens to be correct here. I mean, this one's a big one. Who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans. That is exactly what happens. Let us continue. Who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. We have seen this attorney general go after uh, people who are pro-life because they impeded access to abortion clinics. A year after the fact, he's doing this. This is all political retribution. We saw this with the IRS vis-a-vis the Tea Party. Preventing certain groups from getting tax-exempt status. That was utilizing the IRS as a cudgel under then-President Obama, who is not scandal-free, abusive. And as she talks about nuclear war, you have Joe Biden talking about Armageddon. I must say that as as a practical matter, I, I do not go to bed thinking that nuclear war is... Um, on the table that that we're somehow really close to it. Putin is is mad, but not crazy. Everything is possible and at all times possible. You take a look at North Korea and the number of missile tests that they're running. This is what happens when you have a United States that isn't there to say, why don't you all just calm down? The role of the United States is to look at other nations and say, why don't you calm down? Because that has led to the most peace and prosperity. Yes, we are a free nation and we should be a freer nation. But when we play in the in the role our role in the world, it doesn't mean an entanglement everywhere. It doesn't mean setting our military everywhere. It doesn't mean giving financial support everywhere. It does mean looking at somebody a bit askew and saying, why don't you calm down? Why don't you calm down I swear you keep acting like this it's going to make me a little bit irritable I don't th- I don't think you want me irritable What do you think you want Cuz when I'm get irritable irritable I don't know I don't know I just start pressing buttons and we see what happens you don't think that there is something to the peace and prosperity that has taken place since 1945 to America saying, hey, why don't you calm down? Now, I think that what has undercut a little bit of that has been the United States being a little too uh, involved in some of these places. I agree with that. I am not a total isolationist. I, I, I'm, I'm not that guy. But I do believe that less is more. But I also believe in being able to look at somebody and reminding them who's in charge. Someone has to be in charge, and it sure as hell can't be China. Continue, Tulsi Gabbard. Now, I believe in a government that's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Unfortunately, today's Democratic Party does not. 
Instead, it stands for a government that is of, by, and for the powerful elite. Now, I'm calling on my fellow common sense independent... Wait a second. Let's do that one more time, shall we? Now, I believe in a government that's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Unfortunately, today's Democratic Party does not. Instead, it stands for a government that is of, by, and for the powerful elite. Now, one could argue Republicans do too much of that as well. I, I, I won't even argue the, the, the point. But the Democratic Party can't believe they're no longer the party of the working class. And the answer is, of course you're not. You hate them. Your entire base comes from the college so-called educated. You are a group of elitist snobs. And you only exist to have elitist snobs do the work that you need done in order to keep elitist snobs like yourself in power. Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, elitist snobs. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Dick Durbin, elitist snobs. Sundar Pichai, elitist snob. Mark Zuckerberg, elitist snob. Not the working people. The elitist snob wants to keep you from speaking freely. The elitist snob wants to keep you from hearing conversations about the COVID vaccine. That's why Twitter goes about banning some of the most published cardiologists in the country. Oh, they're, they're, they're engaged in disinformation on, on COVID. Disinformation on COVID? What? There are cardiologists giving their opinion. What, what about believing the experts? Oh, I'll get into a whole thing about the experts. Uh, I'll, I'll, with John Stewart, good Lord. But let me finish this up. The last part of Tulsi Gabbard's excoriation of the political left. Now, I'm calling on my fellow common sense, independent minded Democrats to join me in leaving the Democratic Party. If you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country, then I invite you to join me. So I've listened to this a few times and I only have one question. Is she speaking to anyone in specific? Is she speaking to someone directly? And join her where? It's questions. We'll see if we get some answers. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. So the markets are up. I mean, the NASDAQ is up 17, but the Dow is up over 300. And they just came across this literally seconds ago, came across this from CNBC. The Labor Department releasing a proposal that would allow regulators and courts to reclassify gig workers as employees rather than independent contractors. What are we doing? What are we doing? Uber dropped like a stone, dropped 8%. DoorDash down 6 Lyft down 10%. If they are indeed employees, that's different tax consequences, that's different uh, payments that have to be done by the employer. So California, of course, did this with AB5, putting an end to the gig economy. It took voters to exempt uh, things like Uber and Lyft and delivery companies. But what they did is said, if you're somebody, let's say you, uh, you bartend weddings, 
Yeah, some extra cash. Do it on the weekends. Bartend a wedding. You look good in a bow tie, whatever it is. Well, you have to be an employee. How dare that company not pay you and have you on as an employee? Yeah, but I just want as the gig. Nope, you have to be an employee. And then, of course, the plan is to get all those employees unionized and then paying dues. This is all a push to build out more unions. This is about putting an end to what has been one of the most incredible opportunities for the American people is to be able to utilize their labor, their way in all sorts of ways, the way they see fit and create for them the level of freedom that they want, desire, and yes, indeed deserve if they're working towards it and for it. And here is the Biden administration taking a look at California saying, nope, 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 sorry, can't happen. This is ugly. Lyft are writing that there's no immediate or direct impact on the Lyft business at this time because there's a 45-day public comment period. The rule, according to Lyft, does not reclassify Lyft drivers as employees, does not force it to change its business model. Uh, you might be surprised. This administration seems very, very unkind to people choosing their own course. I don't want to belong to a union. I don't need to be an employee. I do the work. You pay me. I go home. That's it. Good enough. Not good enough. So when Uber and Lyft cannot operate as services based on some of these new rules and Lord only knows what's coming, they go out of business. Will we be told, well, they're just, they just, I guess, weren't really good business people? Or did the business exist that provided opportunities to thousands of Americans for work and millions of Americans for transportation? Will we have gotten rid of that and somehow decide that we're better off? Oh, yes, we're better off, Tony, because now there's less cars on the road, so less pollution. Isn't this great? No part of it is great. No part of what we're seeing from this administration is great. Everything, everything slowly engages the abuse of the American worker who wants to be able to make their own course or chart their own course and make their own choices. This administration says you can't do that. You know, in the guise of fairness. Lyft offers the job, uh, somebody accepts the job. What is the government getting involved for? What are they getting involved for? One of the questions that they can never answer. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. reported Colorado Secretary of State claiming that the office accidentally sent 30,000 voter registration notices to non-citizens. Accidentally. The Democratic Secretary of State, Jenna Griswold, According to the office, uh, her office saying it was unaware that any non-citizens who received the postcards in error had tried to register. 
You ever notice the errors only happen one way? How is that? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Now, this was not, this was not ballots. These were postcards encouraging people to register to vote. So that's something completely different than actually being able to vote. But if you ask me, why do I oppose mail-in balloting? Well, here you go. Because I don't believe that any of the mistakes are actually mistakes. I do not believe. I argue that this is nothing more than lying. Lying to Americans, lying to others when you say, oh, it's just a mistake. No. No. I am now at the point where I believe it's purposeful. And I know what you're saying. Tony has gone full conspiracy. You're the ones who put me there. Look how many mistakes get made. Look how they all get made in one direction. Look at the people out there who are okay with mail-in balloting as if somehow it won't cause a problem. It will only cause a problem. It will only cause a scene. You are a damn, damn, damn fool if you think that uh, mail-in balloting is valuable. As ignorant as the day is long. But... That's not what I come to talk about. What I come to talk about is John Stewart and a very interesting conversation he had on his show. Yeah, I'm breaking down a lot of video today. Breaking down a lot of video today. John Stewart talking to the Arkansas Attorney General about transgenderism and the state which has banned of gender-affirming care for minors. Now, I want to make sure I start from a a proper place. Gender-affirming care is the cover by which adults claim it acceptable to abuse and mutilate children. I would say that to Jon Stewart nose-to-nose. If you say to me, well, what would you say to parents who have children? I would say to parents, dear Lord, do I not understand everything you're going through? What I understand is a society that doesn't protect children is not actually a society. And a child cannot go through a surgery that is irreversible in many ways to change their gender because they say they feel this way. Well, Tony, what about DSM-5? DSM-5, people. The DSM is the Diagnostics and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And when new revisions come out, that's where the number comes from. So Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, DSM, we are on the fifth revision. And yes, the DSM does discuss the very concepts of gender dysphoria. Maybe you've never actually gotten the definition of gender dysphoria. Uh, As I have it here, this is from the American Heritage Dictionary. 
A persistent unease with having the physical characteristics of one's gender accompanied by strong identification with the opposite gender and a desire to live as or to become a member of the opposite gender. Or a profound and persistent unhappiness related to one's physical sex. Gender dysphoria is the condition under which a man says, nope, I'm a woman. That, that's, that's what it is. That's what the claim is. Now, as we have taken a look at these cases in children, and for this, I am talking only about children. Only, only, only about children. Because what adults do, adults do. When we take a look at the data, and we've talked about this the other day, in 2020, there were 24,847 new diagnoses of gender dysphoria in children. In 2021, that number was 42,167, almost double. That is not medical science. That is kids wanting attention. And the words I used, and not only will I not shy away from it, I will double down on it. It's the new bulimia. It is a call for attention. It is a want to be special. It is a trying to fit in. It is horrifying that we see this push, pushing kids into this, desiring this. No one should argue that gender, gender dysphoria isn't real. I, I wouldn't say that. I would say that it's absolutely real. You think it's this prevalent? No. This is social contagion. Interesting way to put it. This is peer pressure. This is school systems working overtime to accommodate and make kids feel special. No, no, we'll use these pronouns. It'll just be our secret. Don't tell your parents. Oh, no, no. We have a closet in the back. You can change into your real clothes to who you really are. There is never a conversation, even though there is the conversation. That you do not rush these things. You do not push these things. That kids who may actually feel this way, you take time with. As I have said from the beginning, I never said don't love your kids. My gosh, love your kids. But loving your kids also means you say no. No, you cannot have surgery that alters you in a way that there is no coming back from. Because we hear of these stories, the stories that the press is desperate to keep quiet, of people who say, why didn't anybody warn me? Why didn't anybody tell me? Why was I pushed into this? And it is indeed being pushed into it. We as a society should not be involved in mutilating children. We should absolutely be opposed to it. When you see hospitals proudly discussing, well, when we do a top surgery, we make this much money, top surgery. You're talking about removing the breasts of a perfectly healthy young girl. 
That's what you're talking about. You call it top surgery. Dear Lord. Look at the money we make. And then you've got this from Harvard Children's Hospital. So most of the patients that we have in the GEMS clinic actually know their gender, usually around the age of puberty, but a good portion of children do know as early as seemingly from the womb, and they will usually express their gender identity as very young children, some as soon as they can talk. They may- if you are telling me that my two-year-old knows that they're really a girl and that's how they're expressing themselves, you're out of your head. And don't tell me about expertise. Don't tell me about that in the slightest. They're two. They don't get to make any decisions. They couldn't wipe their own butt, literally. What are you talking about? And yet here are the experts who want to come in and tell us this. It's with this that Jon Stewart, over there with his show on HBO, starts engaging with the Arkansas Attorney General, Leslie Rutledge, about the very concepts of expertise and Let's talk about this in comparison to cancer. Of history, and we'll be glad to provide that to you. Uh, I don't have the name of that off the top of my head. I know it's something that you don't have the name of the organization that that off the top of my head. Oh, okay. But yes, we have all of that cited in all of our briefs. You're suggesting that protecting children means overriding the recommendations of the American Medical Association, the American Association of Pediatrics. The endocrine society. We don't have enough data. We don't have enough to show that these drugs are effective and that these children are better off and that we should you don't encourage have enough these. Or it's not enough for you. Let me- well, John, if you tell me that all these organizations say that you should allow a child to uh, mutilate itself, um, I would tell you we need new organizations. This idea of reliance on expertise. Now, part of the problem is, is that in the world of social media, everyone thinks they're an expert, right? Some calamity happens in the world and all, they're all the experts to, uh, to social media. Then something else happens and all, same people are now all of a sudden brand new experts. That's not how it works. Expertise matters. It matters greatly. The funny thing about experts is that they aren't the law. And we have seen experts push for some really ugly things like for example six feet that's how you you got to stay separated and that way you don't get covid none of that was science but that's what the experts said the experts said if you don't get vaccinated you're gonna kill my grandma even though that's not how vaccines uh, worked in this case at all in any way we knew it from the beginning but yet this is what we allowed people to say the experts You mean the experts like Dr. Fauci, the experts like the CDC that have admitted they handled COVID wrong and they have to do better? The experts. You mean the experts that told us, here's the food pyramid, don't forget to eat all these carbs and made America fat, exploded diabetes. The experts? Do you want us to talk about the experts who said, hey, black men, Here's syphilis. Don't worry. We're really treating you. The experts. Experts have a role. But that doesn't mean that they get to decide. And I know this because there isn't a person in America who has never heard the term second opinion.
of course, uh, John Stewart's argument is that uh, the people of Arkansas are not being given a second opinion because Arkansas will not allow for these uh, mutilations to take place. We continue a little bit further into the interview. Another opinion that they... And children should want to have another opinion. But that's not... Because, again, these are 9, 10, 11... So if your child is suffering from pediatric cancer and the state comes in and says to you, they recommend chemotherapy, but we're not going to let you do that. You can't. We think you should get a different opinion. And here's the organization we think you should get the opinion from. They're not the mainstream, but they're an organization. So that's how you, that's who you have to be treated by. Does that sound like something you would Well, accept? I think that's a very extreme example. That's not at all in line with what we're talking about. We're not saying that at some point, because when you have cancer, it literally is, and particularly pediatric cancer, and having friends that have lost children sure. to pediatric cancer, having a four-year-old, I'm sure. I've got some bad news for you. Parents with children who have gender dysphoria have lost children to suicide. Undoubtedly true. Something I've never been through and I hope to never go through. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. I never made that call, uh, but I had, uh, I had my moments of doubt. I dealt with my depression. I dealt with my suicidal thoughts for years. You have to allow children to go through mutilation so they don't kill themselves? Is such a radical position from Jon Stewart. Such a nonsense position because John Stewart's position is only this surgery is preventing these children from happiness. That's madness. Because whoever said that a surgery actually makes you happier? I'm sure you can find some people who say, you know what, I got that nose job, man. Everything else was... Well, I, I, I just felt so confident. I just felt so great. I'm sure you can find them. And I'm sure you can find plenty of people who got nose jobs who still felt a little, oh, I'm not accepted, oh, I'm not this, and had to work through it. You have to go through total body mutilation in order to be happy. And you have to let kids do that. Otherwise, they're going to kill themselves. That's not how that works. Feeling sad, feeling miserable, feeling uh, uh, desperate. What is what is the point? I don't say no. That that those feelings are real, and I've never once said children shouldn't. I mean, parents shouldn't love their children who are going through this to the extent that they're going through this. But it doesn't mean you immediately cave and say, "All right, where's a knife? Where's the pill? Let's go." And that John Stewart is advocating for this. And thinks he's being moral? Not being moral. You're gross. It's gross. You don't allow children to engage in mutilation because they say they feel a certain way. You have to protect children more often than not from themselves. And maybe we should do something about this cultural push. This secret agenda. This, oh, don't tell your parents this. Oh, here's your closet you can change in that. We'll call you this. We'll, that's keeping things secret. This is an ugly, ugly interview. And John Stewart has far from proven his case. 
I'm Tony Katz. Oh, I know I'm going to be getting emails and tweets about this John Stewart interview about the conversation of transgender care. If, if all these medical organizations and you follow the, resu- the, the advice of these medical organizations, why not uh, follow that on uh, transgender uh, children and allowing uh, them to have surgeries? After all, they don't make the decisions. The parents make the decisions. I'm going to get all sorts of emails. Like John Stewart has made a point. We don't let parents punch kids in the face. It's abuse. Your move, John. Meanwhile, the bigots are being bigots and other people are being defended and it's a whole big mess and worthy of conversation. That's coming up next. This is Tony Katz today.